Hey everybody, it's March 30th, 2023. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Free K-12 Education Talk Radio. We've got an old friend with us today, Jim Harvey. The return of the amazing Jim Harvey, who used to be the executive director of the National Superintendent's Roundtable till he retired, okay, and handed it over to my good friend Steve McCammon, okay, over who's the CEO of the Schlechty Center, and now the executive director of the National Superintendents Roundtable. They're going to be with us today to talk about the changing role of the superintendency, how that transition is going, and why superintendents should really look to the Schlechty Center and the National Superintendents Roundtable as a forum to to get involved with, okay, on a regular basis. And I can, I know that from experience. All right, so it's going to be a nice show, okay? And for uh, aspiring superintendents and superintendents, administrators, and I might add educators of all sorts and sizes. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's over at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org. Everything we do over there is free. We have a new issue of our magazine coming out, being put on site. A magazine called Equity and Access. It's excellent. Uh, this issue will feature uh, some controversial talk about what's going on with book banning and that sort of thing uh, throughout K-12. And we'll have that up on site either uh, today, tomorrow, or Saturday, okay, at ace-ed.org. Everything we do is free, and you'll see a lot of very, very interesting stuff. We'd love you to join with us, okay, so your voice can be heard because education's under a lot of pressure these days from from under to everybody, superintendents to classroom teachers and everybody in between. Okay, so it's it's a big. So go over and, and uh, see what we do over at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, let me bring on okay the uh, the current and past executive directors of the National Superintendents Roundtable. Good morning, Steve McCann. Good morning, Larry. How are you doing today? I'm fine, buddy. How's that new boat working out? Did you get it yet? No, I'm I'm going over to get it later today. There you go. Okay, I'm right on schedule with this. Good luck with that. Jim Jim Harvey, welcome back. Jim? I have Steve, can you hear him? I do not hear Jim. No. Jim, are you there? I've got it all signed on here, but somehow we're not connected. It's showing me it's he's connected. Oh, I had I'm sorry, I had mute on. I was I was chatting and I you couldn't hear me. <laughs> Jim, we, we couldn't do I, I, the show without you. I'm pleased you. to be here, Larry. What's oh, that? It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you here. And by the way, I thank you at 7.34 in the morning out there in Seattle where you live. So we doubly appreciate you getting up so early and joining in. We miss you, my friend. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm staying in touch through Steve. That's good. And, you know, you know you're welcome here anytime. Your thoughts... Uh, Etc. Are always are always welcome here, Jim. It's great to have you back with us. Okay, Steve. By the way, I have a nice uh, thing. I was talking to Mike Lubelfeld. You know, you know Mike, the superintendent Absolutely. of North Shore District. Yeah, he's a great guy, Absolutely. good friend of mine. Okay, and and I, I had him on the show last week, and he mentioned that he's been in touch with you, and I think he's heading out to your meeting out in California later this month or in July, whenever that is. Yes, that is the plan, and uh, he also uh, is going to be one of our national Zoom speakers. Uh, Great in our in our lineup this year. He boy, you talk about a guy that's a good writer, uh, 
got yep. a new book out, and uh, yep. really, he also does that big uh, superintendent super chat on Twitter. Yes, he does. Hundred, I think hundreds of superintendents involved with. So yeah, I, I think, I think him and Nick Poliak do that together. It, it's terrific. Okay, Mike Mike's just yeah. a great guy, and I want to just say one other thing. His district, which is in Highland Park, Illinois, was where it wasn't a school shooting, but it was where that mass shooting occurred last July 4th. And they had That's some, right. obviously, horrible trauma within the community, but some of their children were, were certainly affected, but were truly affected as victims, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's brought about a lot of change. And I just did that, that show with him a few weeks ago, and you can find that. I think it was last Monday. You can check that out. Today's March, March 30th. So, gentlemen, okay, you're the transition team of the National Superintendent's Roundtable. Okay, just to put it in perspective, Jim Harvey is 111 years old, and and, and Steve, Steve McCannon is McCann is 19. Okay, so there's an age difference, and he trans, transferred from one to the other. Would I be correct, Jim? Uh, there, there is there is an age difference, but we're both young at heart. Okay, so, amen. So, so that helps. Amen. <laughs> And have them get you out on the boat in Indiana, okay? Uh, I, I got to ask you, Jim. I got to start with you here because you've been superintendency. Uh, you know everything about superintendency. You watch this carefully. You may be, you may pretend you're retired, but I know you're really not. You're looking at this stuff. What do you see going on right now with the superintendency? Okay, the the mind, the voice of James Harvey, everybody. <laughs> well. Um, I think the super, super, school superintendents and principals and school leaders generally are under much more pressure right now than at any time uh, in the past 50 years, probably since uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruling in 1954 demanding the desegregation wow. of schools in the South. Wow, I would agree. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, we have uh, this we – ha- we have, we have this um, – Terrible onslaught of school shootings. You mentioned the, the one in Highland Park. Uh, just earlier this week, we had three children and three adults shot in a private uh, uh, Christian mm-hmm. school in, uh, in in Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, there, there have now been several hundred of these outbreaks of school shootings uh, in, in, in recent decades. Um, we've got the assault about uh, how we teach the history of the United States wrapped yes, up do. in this term critical race theory. We have books being banned by individuals. So a single person objecting to a book in Florida now mm-hmm. can get That's it right. pulled off the library shelves. That's right. And we have a push in several, um, almost nearly two dozen states to let public money be used in private schools in the form of vouchers to push for more charter schools. So these are all huge leadership challenges for school superintendents. And in my 50-odd years of following uh, American education, I think this is the most stress that school leadership has been under that I I can recall. And, And, you know, you brought up charter schools, and I would agree with you on that. And it's interesting that juxtaposition back to 1954 Brown versus Board of Education, the great sea change in, 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 in American education. We're under, I guess we're undergoing another one now, which brings me to the question, Jim, and I'll get to you, Steve, in just a minute. But, Jim, from your perspective, okay, um, when you look at all this, and you just mentioned charter schools, and the charter schools, a lot of them are uh, the five or six, eight schools, whatever it might be, 
All right, now they have, quote, a superintendent, okay? And I'm curious, do you see that superintendent's role the same as a public superintendent's role? As, as you say the word superintendent. Uh, I, I'm sorry, is, is which role the same as the superintendent? The, the superintendency of a charter school, quote, district, ah. okay, versus the superintendency of a public school uh, district. You know, and I'll, I'll put that in perspective. Education is changing. And we look at superintendency, we immediately think public school. But there are, uh, by the way, charter schools are public schools, but it's a different setup. Okay, and I'm just curious how you say, how you juxtapose superintendent of one to the other. How do you think about it? Right. Well, uh, there are these charter school organizations called educational management organizations. Um, I do not consider charter schools to be public schools. I think a public school is a school that's funded by the public, that's overseen by the public, and that employs public employees. And basically all the charters do is they use public money, but they employ them for private purposes frequently. And uh, there have been so many scandals around charter schools for the last two decades uh, that I think the management of these systems is quite different from uh, the management of public schools. So I, I, I think they're quite different. Um, the, the degree to which charter schools managed by for-profit companies enter into special arrangements where uh, the school rents property, uh, leases property from uh, uh, corporations uh, owned by uh, some of the uh, <laughs> owned by private enterprises uh, at, at exorbitant rates, uh, I think is a national scandal and really should be looked into. The extent to which um, uh, online charter schools are charging outrageous fees for pretty minimal services online, that should be looked into too. And I think the degree to which charter schools should be su subject to the same accountability provisions in terms of assessment and so on that public schools are, 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 are responsible for. I think that's, that's also something that, that, that should be looked at. That is a very interesting answer. And Steve, as the current executive of the National Superintendents Roundtable, can you answer that question? The, the difference in the superintendency, the way you look at it, the way Schlechty, if I may, looks at it, between uh, charter and, and public school superintendents. Maybe you don't see a difference. I, I don't know. Curious. So, I think Jim answered it really well. You know, at the Schlechty, at the Schlechty Center, which which I've been involved with for almost 20 years, I mean, yep. we are, our, our mission is to the advocacy of public schools. And Phil Schlechty, our founder, used to say, um, he used to, you know, complain all the time that he said we may be coming to a day where is there a public left for public schools and mm. uh, you know what he would what he would say is this whole drive to charter schools you know when, when i worked at the florida department of education charter schools were yeah. really just coming online and it really was about people saying i'm not saying i'm going to get a better education where i'm going to school i'm just not going to have to go to school with other people's children and I think that's been to the detriment of this yeah. thing called uh, a public. And so, I, but I think Jim hit it spot on. I mean, I'm seeing, uh, I won't mention the school district, but there's a school district close to where I've moved to where there's been a charter school. 
And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't formed because the kids were getting a poor education. Uh, the school district that serves those children is an A-plus school in all indicators. But it, uh, it wasn't meeting some other needs that we won't go into here. But, yeah. but I think Jim's answer is spot on. I think, Jim, I think you could publish that answer. And, and we, would, we would be happy to carry that in our magazine and on our website if you ever want to do that, Jim. Okay, I offer that to you as, you know, it's, 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 it's really an interesting. Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying thank you for that opportunity. Well, you are, you're, you're more than welcome. And by the way, you know anything you do is welcome here any time. So you guys seem to be on the same wavelength. So with that in mind, and I want to make this clear, you know, uh, the National Superintendents Roundtable is a wonderful organization. It is not part of the AASA, which is the National Superintendents Association, but you guys get along with the AASA. And uh, I'll throw this to Steve, the current executive director. Steve, what's the difference between the NSR, the Superintendents Roundtable, which is a much smaller organization, than the big old AASA? How do, how do you see the two working together and the difference between the two? So we can encourage more and more superintendents to join the NSR. Sure, and we we uh, the past couple of years, we've uh, we've actually done functions at AASA in uh, Nashville, and then this year in San Antonio. And in fact, the current president-elect of AASA, uh, who starts uh, July first, Gladys Cruz, she is, uh, thanks to Jim, a long-term member of the National Superintendents Roundtable, and one of our steering committee members, and she was our national Zoom speaker just about three weeks ago. And she came on go. to pro- she came on to promote um, she came on to promote AASA's vision and activities <laughs> in trying to secure to secure more diver- diversity in the superintendency. So mm-hmm. I do think we, as Phil would would have said, we G and Hall pretty well together. Uh, they are obviously a much more um, a much more, you know, global umbrella organization that deals with superintendents, you know, among anything from the compliance of being a superintendent to the vision, the visionary aspects of being a superintendent. Uh, the roundtable, as as we told you, one of the reasons we were excited to take on the roundtable is we like that it's an advocacy yeah. policy organization. It's smaller, uh, certainly, but, but I think it, it dovetails real nicely into what AASA is trying to do. And, and uh, we have, you know, I would say probably most, if not all, of our members belong to AASA. I was a longstanding AASA member, so mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I think, you know, we, we do publications. I know Jim's been published. Uh, several of our superintendents, I was published in AASA School Administrator Magazine, so um, you know, I think it's uh, it's a hand in glove type of of partnership. I, I would agree wholeheartedly on that, and both excellent, obviously excellent organizations. That I I wanted to make that point to everybody. You're not in competition. You work together, no, no. okay, and serve different purposes, okay. And and to me, it's it's, it's very it's very very important. And and Steve, uh, if I may, I don't know actually if there have been any per se. Have there been any major changes since you folks at Schlechting? By the way, Schlechting itself is a wonderful consulting organization to school districts. Schlechting Center, everybody can check that out, okay? But, Steve, have you made any major changes, or what do you see the NSR moving to in, this, in these insane in times we live in? Yeah. 
you know, when we when we first met Jim, and I always say that the, the, the only thing I lament in this whole thing is I wasn't friends with Jim Harvey for the past twenty years. Yeah. That somehow we yeah. had escaped we had escaped yeah. each other, but. But you know, Jim, when we sat down and talked about becoming the legacy home of the Roundtable, um, I told Jim, you know, and the steering committee, we like we like what you're doing, and uh, we had this informal little thing that we we collaborated on to say we would continue to do certain things, and Jim Jim and I both said that went so smoothly that we agreed <laughs> that we would continue these things because it's a good program. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and exactly. so we, we continue to. Do, <laughs> the answer to your question is we continue to do the monthly Zoom calls. And to the to the point that you opened with, Larry, one of the things that Jim <laughs> did under his leadership, and I don't I don't recall if it was because of COVID or prior to COVID, but I think a lot of it was because, you know, people meet. We started moving more to Zoom calls. Uh, Jim started this. We had not only the national Zoom speaker series. But I think more importantly, the Zoom check-in. Every other month, superintendents, I mean, we've grown the roundtable up to about 125 members. There's been a really nice growth in the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. But the neat thing that Jim put in place was superintendents have the opportunity to come together. The superintendency, it always has been a pretty isolated and lonely position, kind of like the Maytag repairman. Well, I'll tell you what, (laughs) during COVID and with, with with, with all these challenges that are going on, superintendents need an ear and when you're the leader of an organization yeah. sometimes it's real difficult to go to your assistant superintendent or your principal and say I'm struggling but you do have those colleagues to come together and celebrate successes and talk about challenges and to Jim's credit that's the, an example of the type of thing we continued and I think it's been huge for superintendents to have that outlet and that connection we're still doing the two uh, national meetings year, and I know we'll talk about our Ronald Reagan are, uh, yeah. presidential library visit coming up. But uh, we are continuing on with the good work they're doing, trying to engage more people in it, and uh, it, it's been uh, it's been a good journey so far. Yeah, it's going to be well, it's going to be an could, even better one. Go ahead, Jim. Of course, if I could add that, Larry, I, I, I think the roundtable is in an even stronger position now than it was a couple, couple of years ago. Um, I think being housed in the Schlechty organization, yeah. um, we're, we're a sort of a complement to what Schlechty has been doing for years. Agreed. Which is uh, advancing the uh, ideas of Phil Schlechty about how you sort of work with the district internally to, to get improvements. We've always been uh, more oriented towards looking at what's going on in schools from 20,000 feet. So we've had sort of a, a policy orientation. I think that gives Schlechty two powerful ways of, 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 of helping schools move, move forward. Um, we basically, uh, right before COVID, were an organization that uh, met twice a year and sent out a newsletter every other week. And when COVID hit, we couldn't meet. There was no way to meet. You, you couldn't travel. You couldn't get together. Yep. Uh, you know, when people couldn't uh, have, uh, uh, when people couldn't hold the hands of their loved ones as they died, uh, there was no way you were going to organize uh, two meetings a year for several dozen school superintendents. So right away, we seized on Zoom as a way to keep in touch with each other. And uh, we organized uh, Zoom meetings every other month 
so that uh, we could stay in touch with each other and give each other support. Superintendents could give each other support. That was so useful uh, that the superintendents wanted to get together, not with speakers, but by themselves, so that they could sort of check in with what was going on with their district. So uh, every month for the last several couple of years since Zoom started, we have either a major speaker for our uh, for our superintendents. Steve just mentioned Gladys Cruz. Uh, yes. W- w- was a speaker a couple of weeks ago. And then every other month we have these sort of uh, – informal gatherings where we uh, I don't want to say we hold each other's hands but we sort of check in with each other about how, how, every, how everyone is doing the other thing we did in response to, to, to uh, COVID was we realized that a, a, a newsletter every other week wasn't sufficient so we started cranking it out every week and I, I think the newsletter has been one of the strengths of the round table for, for some time now um, so I have no hesitation at all in saying that the roundtable emerged from uh, its experience with COVID as a stronger organization, and then making the alliance with Schlecki, I think mm-hmm. it, it, it buttressed that strength because we were a very small, understaffed organization uh, as a standalone roundtable, and Schlecki brought with its massive staff and huge budget. <laughs> My eight people are going to be happy to hear that. <laughs> they were they were more fully staffed than, than we had been, so I think we're now a stronger organization. <laughs> and I got to tell you something, Jim. You know, you guys always talk, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll say it's a hushed tone, so to speak, whenever you mention Phil Schlechty, for whom the Schlechty Center is named, and who who set up their philosophy, et cetera, et cetera. And and and, and Jim, it's the same way with you. Okay, you got a great legacy here. Okay, you started this thing, and it's it's growing and growing and growing. You deserve a lot of credit for that, my friend. I, I really mean that, Jim. You just did good, and oh, you did good. Thank, thank you very much. It it really it's very satisfying to know that it's it's continuing under the Schlecky yeah. umbrella. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it's great. You gave them a great foundation, and they're going to take it that much further. And I I just realized that, I don't know whether you guys realized this. You you had your last meeting. We'll talk about in a second at the Carter Center. Okay, and then the, the next meeting in the summer is going to be at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley. Okay, I just realized that that was the same order of their presidencies. Okay, Carter Reagan. Okay, and I'm wondering if you're if you're oh, moving in that yeah. direction. Will the next one be uh, Will the next one be uh, Bush? What's going on? What, what's happening there? Is he, well, well you're, uh, you would be Bush the elder. I don't know. I'm an old history teacher. I picked up on that. What's going on there? Is it going right. to be at the Bush so, Center in no, Texas? Just to give you a little history of that, um, th- this this idea of going to the presidential library nice. uh, developed at the 2019 meeting that we had in Santa Monica, California, and um, uh, the steering committee thought it would be useful to go to presidential libraries, yeah, and we always cool. knew that we didn't want to be identified with just going to a democratic library or a public <laughs> library, that we'd have, to, we'd have to go to one of each. So where yeah. were we going to go? So it, it was clear that Carter would be one of them, and then the question would be, would we go to one of the Bush president's libraries, or would we go to the Kennedy Center Library in Massachusetts, or would we go yep. to the Reagan Library? And initially, I think we were thinking of going to the library of the first President Bush in Texas, 
yeah. But then all of those plant all of those plans fell apart because of COVID. So yeah. we were finally able to get to the uh, to the Carter Library um, last October, and we're going to go to the Reagan Library uh, in July of this year. Yeah. And uh, I, I I have to say I think Steve will agree with this that the ability to go to one of these presidential libraries and see the record of uh, what these great great leaders have done uh, for the United States. It was very, very valuable and mm-hmm. very impressive at the Carter Library, and I think the Reagan Library, uh, m- maybe even more so. They actually have uh, Air Force One out of the, they do. the Reagan Library, and we'll be able to walk into that. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to you know, say something since we're on the subject. All of the presidential libraries and centers, whatever they call them, have, have education directors. Okay, and and yeah. I, they want teachers to tap into those places. Okay, yeah. and they have great yeah. resources and all that. I, I, I mentioned, I don't know if he's still there, Tony Penny over at the, the Reagan Library, who was just a great guy. I don't know if he's still there or not, but please, if you do bump into him, tell him I said hi. Okay, and on that note, when you guys got together at the Carter Center, okay, obviously in Atlanta, and I wish President Carter well, as you know, he's in hospice. Uh, right now, as he ages uh, so beautifully, I know he died, but he's getting near the end, I guess. Um, what did you guys talk about? I'll throw this to Steve. Steve, what was the big topic at the Carter Center? The theme was education for democracy, and um, we had we had a powerful lineup of speakers. I mean, we had Valerie Strauss from the Washington Post, Leslie Fenwick, who uh, was this close to being the Secretary of Education. You know, she. Oh. Uh, um, she was a, she, you know, she. I think she was definitely in the running, and she she was an incredible speaker. Um, you know, Jim can Jim can you know tell you a few of the other speakers we had as well. Really well received. Um, I don't think there was a better place to have that conversation than at the Jimmy Carter Presidential yeah. Library. I mean, obviously, um, with, with everything he did, not only in this country but around the world for you know democracy and voting and. Uh, but was this a really, a really quality conversation about how important public schools are? You can't have a democracy without a strong public uh, school system. And I think we all left there. The best thing we did on top of the speakers was we had a, on the final day, we had a true roundtable circle conversation. And the conversation ebbed from uh, race and education, critical race theory, mm-hmm. to to you know some of the things that superintendents were up against and uh i think the topic was just spot on little foreshadowing uh from that conversation jim harvey um we were talking about what would we do next year we wanted to kind of bounce that off of the superintendents and this is this is just really cool i think so jim harvey mentioned to us he said you know this coming year is the 40th anniversary of a nation at risk uh, what a great mm-hmm. opportunity. And we thought, why not take that into the backyard where a lot of that thinking came from, from President Ronald Reagan. And the neat thing about the conversation is, and I'll let Jim speak to this, Jim Harvey, you know, those books that you could get when I was in school in the library that said, you were there at the crossing of the Delaware with George Washington. <laughs> well, well, Jim Harvey was there in Washington, D.C. and helped write a nation at risk 40 years ago and wow. so talk wow. about get, talk about getting talk about getting to yeah. the uh getting to the heart of the matter i mean 
And, and, you know, Jim's going to be our keynote speaker. Not only did Jim recommend that we go at the 40th (laughs) anniversary, but Jim's going to open the thing and frame what happened, why it happened, what the intent was, and I'll let Jim speak that. But what a blessing for us to be able, and I think it's going to draw a lot of attention to us. It is the 40th anniversary. uh, And the last thing I'll say before I hand it over to Jim, we're going to do an activity while there called Defining Moments. And um, years ago, George Thompson, who I know you know George, Larry, we were with a group of about 40, 40, 40 superintendents in Columbus, Ohio, and we were doing this activity called Defining Moments, and we went back over the decades about what has impacted public education to make it what it is today. And as part of a normal conversation when we do that activity, someone said, you know, 40 years ago, a nation at risk came and da-da-da. One of the real thoughtful superintendents at the end of that activity said, I want to make an observation. As I look at that continuum you've got on that big whiteboard, I would say to you that when we look at all the ills that have been the the, the wrong pathways we've gone down in public education, a mm-hmm. lot of it goes back to a nation at risk that he, he said, in my humble opinion, put us was was basing everything on a false foundation and a false premise. And so we're going to do that activity while there, but it's going to come off of Jim framing, hey, you know, I was there. And we're going to have speakers talk a little bit to um, a little bit of both sides of that. But I would I would let Jim talk. I think it was a fantastic idea to go to have this theme and uh, an even better idea to have Jim frame it for us while there. Thank you, Steve. And I, Jim, I think what Steve just said is that you were there when Washington crossed the Delaware. Is that correct? You're not that old. <laughs> well, you, you remember, I don't know if you guys remember the 1950s. There used to be a television show on a you, you know, are there. Sundays called yeah. You, you yeah. Were There. So sure. I, I was, in fact, there, and I, I played a, a part in it, too, actually, to, in many ways, to my great regret. I have never spoken publicly. <laughs> About uh, about how that report was developed or what I thought about it, so uh, I, I'm I, I'm mulling over in the back of my mind just about all the time what I'm going to say at, at this meeting uh, because it, it, it probably will be my legacy statement uh, about a nation at risk. And I thought at the time it was released that it was a, a false foundation, and I think for, in the successive 40 years. Uh, that has proven to be true. I had a view of what the report should say uh, that wasn't shared by the commissioners, and um, I I believe they didn't really understand what they were talking about uh, and came at it from a sort of an elitist uh, uh, intellectual point of view uh, that has not served the United States well. But but I have to think very carefully about how I'm going to present that uh, at the meeting. Um, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity to talk about it. And we'll have some people that, you know, are, are more favorably inclined to think that the, uh, the, that the nation at risk was just what, the, just what the doctor ordered at the time. But, but I didn't think so at the time. I don't think so. Mm, the thing, uh, you know, we always have to take things in, in their historical perspective and see where they take us. I'll recommend a book. Just, we'll talk about this in a second, but I'll, I'll recommend a book to you by uh, Dr. Dave Steiner, of Johns Hopkins. It's called A Nation at Thought. It's a brand new book. Okay. Um, it's got a subtitle, Restoring Wisdom to America's Schools. And it's called A, a nation, nation at, at Thought. Th- at Thought. At thought. A Nation uh, at uh, yeah. Thought. 
And Dave Steiner's I, I just a terrific guy. I don't know if you know him, but he's a terrific guy at Johns Hopkins. Okay, so you both, you both might enjoy that. that. Yeah, okay. Of course, you know, it talks about what we need today versus what we have done over the, over the past amount of time. I don't want to shift away. So wh- what do you hope to gain? Okay, out of uh, – I'll let Jim this – now, let me ask Steve. Steve, at the Ronald Reagan – thank you for your thoughts, by the way, a minute ago, Jim. Okay, uh, Steve, what do you hope, okay, to uh, gain as you review all this at, at the at – the, uh, and I, I agree with you. It's, it's monumental that Jim's going to be talking about there. But what do you want to come out of it, okay, from your, from your well, July meeting, your future July meeting? Our our vision of success would be, and we just had our we just had our our most recent design planning meeting yesterday. Me and Jim and George, and um, you know, the the culminating activity is going to be another roundtable conversation after we've heard Jim, after we've heard what, you know, we can't tease out the speakers yet because we don't know exactly. We we've got a, a list we're contacting, but it's going to be a powerhouse lineup. But to me, the most important thing will be. What is that culminating conversation when we bring all the superintendents that are there back together and say, um, what have we heard, what have we learned? And all that is one thing. The most important thing is, how does this matter when we go home? Mm-hmm. How do we take yes. away? To me, it's almost a bridge from the, the education for democracy. It's a way to look yeah. back in our past, put it through the filter of where we are. And we've got a lot. We were talking yesterday, Larry. We've got a lot of younger superintendents who know what a nation at risk was. They 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 may not know have connected all the dots about. Sometimes we accept things for the way they are because they've always been. But when we really look back and say, why was this done, and what harm perhaps has it done, that we don't have to accept it being our legacy nor our future. And so hopefully we can tie That's back right. to our Atlanta visit and say. What might we think about differently as we go back, and how do we continue to change and evolve the conversation? That would be, from my perspective, the best thing that could happen in hearing about our past. You know that old saying, if we don't really learn from our past, we're doomed to yeah. repeat it. it would, yeah. I don't think public education could withstand uh, a continued onslaught that if, if, if more traction came, uh, down that pathway. So that I don't know about Jim, but that, that would be my vision of, of why it's important we have this conversation and convene superintendents uh, uh, in California. Yeah, and, and, and basically what you just said is why I asked that original question in our interview about charter school superintendencies and public school superintendencies. And by the way, charter schools, I have to do say this, gentlemen, are considered public schools. Okay, whether or not you you put them in that same category, but they are considered public schools. And the reason I ask that question is because we are in a state of flux and change in American education right now. Okay, there is a you you all know Jim. You mentioned you used to work at the Florida Department of Education. You certainly know what's going on down there these days. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, and everything, if I may, I sound like I sound like the oldest of, of men. Everything's changed. All right. And so, um, Jim, I'm going to ask you, where do you see the future going? Can we work our way out of this mess or whatever we want to call it? Maybe it's not a mess. Maybe I use too strong a word. Well, I I, I think the pendulum swings back and forward uh, 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 on these issues. I think it has swung very hard 
towards privatization and towards yes. uh, a, a sense of uh, education as a, a, a private good. Uh, and I think that's a very dangerous thing for for public education. Yes. And, and uh, I, 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 I do I do want to say that although some people consider charter schools to be public schools, I, uh, they don't they don't meet my definition of a public I know, school. I know. I think they're part of the privatization agenda. Okay. I need to step away from it. There's a bell going off in the room, and I need to just turn it off for you. Just hold on a second. Okay. I'll go over to Steve. Uh, Steve, are you there? It turned. Steve? That was, that was kind of Pavlovian, wasn't it? He, Jim, there's a bell, and he steps away. <laughs> you know, by the way, we're showing our rage with the, with the Maytag repairman, and we all that. I do. We, we all, with the Maytag repairman. We, nobody knows who we're talking about, by the way. So everybody's young, just as the younger, younger superintendents. I was thinking about that. You know, but, yeah, but let's just go with that. We've got about five minutes left there. Younger superintendents, the world is changing. Social media is nuts. You've got Florida going absolutely crazy, in my opinion. Okay. So Steve, what do you see happening? And that's spreading. That's what I don't like about that spreading. What's going on? You don't have to pick on Florida. I'll do that for you. Yeah. Well, I, w- I will say this, and, and again, um, I consider Jim a, a, a I consider Jim a fine friend and colleague, and so I try to lift him up as much as I can. One of the things that that, that the roundtable did that I think really was helpful to our field, and it signaled. I think signaling is important. During COVID. Uh, Jim uh, commissioned a report called the Quitting Report, and in it he interviewed. It was right about. It was published right about the time we were coming into the mix, and I think what it did um, is it allowed super. It allowed us to capture that things are tough. There's every reason for superintendents to leave the field and go do something else, but what we found out was they had a chance to vent about what they were up against. But the overwhelming majority said, we're staying the course. And why are we staying the course was one of the questions asked. And it was because of how important their mission was. And so I see the future, and I see what we're going to learn from COVID and what we're learning from all these challenges is there are some very steady hands at the rudders. And public education will be absolutely fine because of those hands at the rudders. And all of those upcoming superintendents, all those people who still dare to go into this field are going to come on the backs of that courage. And it's never been more. Every time somebody gets yelled at at a school board meeting, every time a superintendent gets threatened, it only makes the case that we have courageous leaders willing to do that job in spite of it. And I think that will serve us well, as the public knows, that we have, again, strong hands at the rudder. So I think education is going to be just fine. We've weathered, we've weathered worse. And if we can make it through COVID when kids can't even go to a brick-and-mortar school and we can adapt and transform to still meet the needs of kids, I think that signals well for public education. That's, that's a good answer, i got to tell you. I hope you're right. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think about it all the time, and I just don't know. Because what scares me about it is the pipeline. Okay, that we've got to get people involved in education, get, 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 get mental health professionals, get more teachers, more principals in the pipeline, okay, more superintendents, that's, that's the track. Okay, we've just got to make it happen. And, and the, world, the times they are changing, but we've got to uh, uh, 
be careful it's, about it, it and move in the right direction. Jim, you want to say something? Joe? Yeah, Joe. if I could just add to that. I, I can't improve very much on, on, on what, uh, what Steve just said. That was a, a brilliant answer. What came through very clearly in, in what we called the quitting report was that superintendents feel very strongly a duty of care to the students uh, in, in their schools. That, that, that was a phrase that mm. several of them used. And we were, just joking about, we were just joking about Maytag, but a story that <laughs> I like to tell from the business community revolves around Motorola. Uh, th- those of us who are old enough to remember Motorola coming out with uh, a terrific television in the 1970s, uh, that, and they advertise it on television as you'll never need to take your television into a repairman today because the repairman can come to the house because we have the works in a box. And they would show the innards of the television coming out in a box that the, that the repairman could get to. And that was a terrific ad for Motorola. And then Motorola was swamped by, by, by uh, televisions from Japan. And their advertisements was that you would never need a repairman at all because their, their, their televisions were so good. Um, mm. so, and I, I think the lesson from that was that the excellence of the products coming from Japan were so good that they took over the American market, not only in television mm-hmm. and electronics, but also in automobiles. Well, mm-hmm. times are changing, as you've just said. As long as we are devoted to excellence for the kids in our care, and we support this value of um, uh, we have a duty of care for the students in our responsibility, I think public education is going to be fine. And if we can apply that uh, as, as, as uh, more charters are developed and they become under public control as opposed to a wild west of profit-making charters, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Because the people who go into education are motivated by the best by the best values we can have in this, in this society. And they're not motivated. We do, by and we need more of them. The okay, we need more yeah. of them, yeah. and we've got, to keep, we've got to keep saying that. Okay? Gentlemen, the national superintendents, uh, the generational uh, change here, Jim Harvey to Steve McCann, and you guys are terrific. Okay, and you'll be you're welcome here anytime. You both know that. Thank you, Jim. It's great to talk to you again. And thank you, Steve. And good luck with the boat, Steve. I'm heading over to get it right now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry I Bye-bye. held you this long. Just have a good have a good time on the uh, lake today. Okay, be good, guys. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye now. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know it, Steve's getting a new boat today for his new house on the lake in Indiana. Okay, and uh, it, it's a pretty cool boat. I saw a picture of it. All right, so he's going to have a lot of fun with that. We're going to archive. And Jim's just great. It's great to talk to him again. Been too long. All right, we're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. Please see everything we do over there. It's all free for you in the new issue of Equity and Access. We'll be out probably tomorrow. Okay, I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.